Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every day, no matter what I'm doing, I'm in the path of a process to helping somebody move a quarter of an inch in knowledge or education in this whole world because it's as confusing as heck for a lot of people and we're not getting it in the schools. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back. Prepare to be enlightened by the story of Bruce Weinstein, a top earner whose world was flipped upside down, forcing him to reinvent his career and come back stronger than ever. Bruce shares insights on adopting the octopus-style business strategy and guides you through the maze of insurance policies, making sure you're covered against the unforeseen. And lastly, keeping an eye on your finances is crucial as no one else will. Get ready for practical advice, real-life examples, and entrepreneurial wisdom right at your fingertips. Let's chat with Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're uh, recording this on July 3rd. so Happy 4th. Yeah, I appreciate you being here on a holiday weekend to talk to me. Thank you. I always love to start with uh, just a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally. So my wife and I have an insurance agency. We're what's called duly licensed. So we have life and health insurance licenses, but also property and casualties. We can help everybody in the whole world of insurance. So think auto, home, commercial, that's property and casualty, PNC, life, health, Medicare, annuities, long-term care, that would be a separate license. And that's our core business. Okay. And then are you a broker for insurance carriers? Are you essentially the middle part or how does that work exactly? I guess the terminology would be independent insurance agents. So okay. we would deal, again, names your audience might know would be Progressive or Prudential or you know, Mass Mutual, AIG, names in that regard. So Aetna, you know, Cigna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. So we basically have relationships with the different carriers in the different markets. And then we're licensed in half the country. So we cover people in, in over 25 states right now across the country. And it just depends on what they need and what market they're in. And we can usually get those relationships. There's captive agents and then there's independent. So what I mean is that is like State Farm, Farmers and Allstate, they would be captive agents. Northwest Mutual, that would be a captive agent. So outside of their product lines, we pretty much get everything else in the spectrum of insurance. 
What's your take right now on the insurance industry? Like, and just <laughs> which side? <laughs> which side? I know this is a loaded question. Like, for example, California, you're getting a lot of news where I'm at. Insurance carriers are pulling out of home insurance. Correct. They're not even insuring homes for liability protection. So, what what is the state of insurance? I guess different markets, different things. A hundred percent. Absolutely right. So, you and I are on opposite sides of the country. I'm in South Florida. So, we've got the hurricane issues. You've got the wildfire issues as a big component of the risk in California. So what's happened is the insurance companies, remember, insurance is nothing more than a pool of everybody else's money. And so when Tyler has a problem, we're all going to use that money and help you fix that problem. And so when a hurricane comes through and they have a $10 billion loss on the West Coast of Florida, and I'm on the East Coast of Florida, all the clients start screaming, why are we paying more? It didn't hit here. Well, the bucket got emptied. So you got to fill the bucket because if it hits the East Coast or the Northeast or some other part of the area, you got to have the money again. So rates go up. Compound that to what you just said earlier is carriers are pulling out of the markets. They're losing money. Ultimately, if too much money is lost, the government comes in through the FEMA program and then people get pennies on the dollar. So think about your areas, I would say, from what I recall, San Jose is a very, right, Silicon Valley, it's very expensive, yeah. very affluent area. You know, down here, Boca, West Palm Beach, Palm Beach, right? It's, you know, millionaires and billionaires here as well. So somebody's got a $50 million home, $10 million home, and, and it gets wiped out. Well, that's pretty damaging than if you're living in, I don't know, you know, central United States, Iowa, Right. Where maybe it's a hurricane, not a hurricane, a tornado or something, you know, Wizard of Oz comes through. But that's every now and then. But those homes aren't also 50 million dollars. So it's, you know, it's risk. It's it's uh, adverse risk is really the term. So where you have higher degrees of risk exposure, the carriers start backing away. So in Florida, farmers doesn't work here. They pulled out of the farmers. Homeowners pulled out of the market. You can barely get all state. State Farm is here for some business. So those are the big ones. Those are the big national companies. Most everything in the Florida market, as well as the California market, are just more regional in size, which poses a different problem because the money's not there. The bucket's not as diverse versus State Farm can take all 50 states and pool that money collectively and then have a higher concentration delegated to California, Florida, you know, where the tornadoes are in Texas or Oklahoma or something like that. But you know, the guy in Arizona doesn't have the same exposure. I used to own a property out there when my son went to school. Like the homeowners was a joke. Like just, there's no natural hazards there. That's that's right. where you, you get the problem. And so when Florida doesn't have a hurricane for 10, 15 years, well, it's due, right? So they start getting anxious. So Florida alone last year, seven carriers pulled out of the market. Wow. Is that normal? I mean, just oh, looking abnormal. at the No, it's certainly okay. abnormal. Okay. But, but okay. so what does that do to the system? The pressure, like same thing in California. You can't, plenty of friends that are colleagues in your market out there, they can't write wind, write meaning sell or put somebody in something. So you can't get fire coverage, you know, fire and wind coverage out there. So now all of a sudden you have to decide, well, I'm going to buy that $5 million house. And if it burns down, I have zero coverage. That's devastating to somebody who can't. Most people, not everybody, but most people, that's their real estate home is probably one of their biggest assets, if not the biggest, right? So somebody's got a $5 million house. They're a little bit more liquid than that, I would think. It's not like they have $8 in the bank and a $5 million house in all likelihood, right? So same down here in Florida is the 
it's not just seven leave, it's the remaining, and I don't know what the number is, but let's just say seven remain or 10 remain. They may not want, nor will their balance sheet allow for that additional business or risk to come on the books, right? So again, I mean, depending on who your listener is, but if you're a manufacturer and you have capacity to make a thousand items a day and you get an order for 10,000, well, how are you going to meet that demand? You, you don't have capacity. So it's kind of the same in an inverse relationship on insurances. If I can't, if I can't cover the risk, I can't take on that new client. And so a lot of clients are getting dropped. There, our problem down here is roofs, the age of roofs now, because there was so much fraud in history with roof damage. And oh, by the way, you owe me a $50,000 new roof. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're in South Florida, especially if your roof is over a certain age, insurance companies won't cover you or the rates are three times the price. And people are gagging. They're just choking. Yeah, it's a fascinating industry. It's interesting times. Hey, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about you a little bit. Sure. So you had a long career, I believe, 30 years doing something, yeah. and I want you to share with us that. And then in 2016, you just hit the brakes and everything kind of fell apart. Yeah. Could you take us into that story? I, I want to go from first what got us there and then how you handled it when everything hit the brakes. And then we'd like to talk about how you came out of it. Sure. Thank you. So I started as a stockbroker at Merrill Lynch in 1986, long, long time ago. <laughs> With Yellowstone out, I always say it's not 1886, it's 1986, not quite as old. But 30-year career as a financial advisor, helping people build a very successful practice, $100 million of assets under management, which was you know a sizable size business at the time, perennial million dollar producer, which, you know, in, in the scheme of things, you're making in the high 300s, you know, or so a year and hitting my 50s, right? So you and I talked about relocating from New Jersey down to Florida. So it was all kind of happening at the same time. Kids were all out of the house, empty nest. Well, in the same timelines, you had the market crash in 07 and 08, real estate and Bear Stearns and all that stuff. So Ultimately, without naming names, because I mean, it's all public record, people can find it. But I wind up in the arms of a very large national brokerage firm who, at the end of the day, and it's my opinion, and certainly would have to be uh, subject to a court of opinion, but ultimately, a very, very detrimental decision where they, I guess, in some levels, and again, my words, just to protect myself and any legal <laughs> repercussions, is they wanted what I had. And they figured out a way and kind of conspired against me. And I ultimately lost my practice, lost my license. We had to file bankruptcy. We had to sell our home. Pretty much everything just bottomed out in 2016. And I had to walk away from a 30-year career. And it's not just that, and we'll talk about you know being self-employed all these years and, and my, my natural business experiences to resonate with the audience, but... You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I can always go make money again. But when you lose your license in the field that you've pretty much spent your whole adult career on, how do you reinvent yourself? What do you do next? People are like, oh, become a realtor, be a mortgage broker, you know, all these types of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was literally driving Uber for a while and just trying to figure out, clear my head of like at 53 years of age, what am I going to do next? And how do you reinvent yourself? And so that, that took a while. That definitely took a while. And then I, I had, with the, the upswing came, if, if you're looking to take that next, was there was a, I basically had decided, Tyler, that I was always a consultative financial advisor. One of my lines is I have nothing to sell, just problems to solve. 
And so I did everything. I did investments and I did insurance work. So it didn't matter what you needed. I probably had something in my briefcase to help you, my toolbox. And if not, well, I run a trusted advisor group of other professionals, CPAs and attorneys. And so we can probably get you what you need, a business broker, you know, that type of stuff. So long story long is I had to figure out what to do, struggling there. And one day after a few years, I got a phone call from a client's, former client's neighbor. Oh, you helped us, you helped, you know, so-and-so, Joe and Mary, and we're wondering if you could help us. We've been, you know, trying to make some decisions on our retirement and we know what, you you know, what you did for them. And I, I thanked them for the call, but I pretty much said, look, I'm not really in that space. I could bring in an investment advisor. I can help you with some of the insurance work, but I'm not really doing at the same capacity what I used to be able to do. So if you think of it in that sense is, I had basically decided if I couldn't be what I was, I didn't want to be anything. So from 100 to zero. But the aha came in that conversation of, and my wife was listening, and she said to me, I miss that guy. And I said, I miss that guy too. And so what I realized was I'd rather be part of me than none of me. And I was denying myself being any of me up until that point. And so the epiphany was, well, what can we do? What can we continue to serve people and clients in a way to run a business and remain self-employed and not have to be accountable to corporations and the hierarchies? And so we launched what's now Weinstein Wealth Insurance Solutions, and that's where we're insurance agents or brokers, and then duly licensed, as I mentioned earlier. And it basically started right at, I don't I forget the dates of when COVID came around, but it was like November, December of 2020. So we're barely two and a half years in, started from scratch. Again, remember, bankruptcy, lost our home, we're renting a house, assets are, are, are minimal. I borrowed some money from some fraternity brothers, and we just started from scratch. And I started to invoke the things that worked for me in the past, which we can get into. I don't want to jump too far ahead. And so, yeah, it just kind of regave me some purpose. And the one piece we didn't discuss uh, earlier for those who will see any clips, I'm down 60 pounds Nice. since we started that business. So through everything going on and that lack of drive, purpose, motivation, no reason to get up every day, right? I, you know, my weight continued to go up. And obviously with COVID, a lot of people suffered with that. And I, I wasn't I was necessarily depressed as much as I just like potato chips and ice cream. So I just keep eating potato chips and ice cream. <laughs> so I started getting back in the space and I spoke at an event on my 58th birthday, which would be two years in a couple of weeks. And somebody took a picture and I'm like, I'm a fat sausage. <laughs> I look horrible. I feel horrible. I don't like what I'm seeing and I don't want to put myself out there. And so, I, so it all kind of came together with the health and the wellness and, and, but I had purpose again, right? I found a purpose, even though I can't do everything I used to do, I can still do a good bunch of it. And I'm helping people. We've helped over 300 clients, probably more, in this short two and a half year period of time. And we're, we're just really doing some great things now. Wow. So I want to go back to that phone call. Yeah. Person reach out to you and even your wife commented, hey, I missed that guy. What was the it that was missing? Was it you being the advisor? Was it you being in that role of being able to help people and direct them? What, what like kind of lit that little bit of fire that was missing? Well, That's a great question. I think the interaction with people, knowing I'll put this out there because it's not it's not official. So I can't call myself a certified financial planner. Sure. 
because of, of what happened. Now I'm in the process of getting applying for reinstatement and we're pretty confident we're going to get reinstated. But I passed in 2011 the final exam and I was made and, and anointed the use of, because it's all trademark. So if you understand from that standpoint, a certified financial planner has fiduciary responsibilities similar to what a doctor might take with the Hippocratic Oath, right? Do no harm. And so, again, you're, you're talking about somebody who's doing this now 37 years collectively. I'm all about helping people, right? There's a lot of things they don't know. They misunderstand disinformation. They don't know how to connect the dots. And literally, I say, Tyler, there's 82 subtopics on the CFP exam. 82. So when you say insurance, well, let's get the list out of how many items fall under that category. You want to talk about investments, how many fall under that, tax. So there's so many things that you need to know. And so the biggest crime we felt by my losing everything in 16 and my wife crying as it came down, she's like, there's so many people that will never get to hear from you or that you can help. And that's the biggest crime is that that's what's being robbed. Because nothing I did that caused all of this loss of revenue licensing, nothing was client related. It, it was a sabotage to steal my business at the end of the day. And it was a crock. But you can't fight the machine. But clearly, just for the record, nothing I did was client related. There never would be. And so that's where the CFP board has opened up the opportunity for me to come back because they found what happened to me to be overly egregious and even put so in their findings. So it allowed me, once the bankruptcy cleared, to apply for reinstatement, and that, that has been cleared. So now we're just going through the formalities. But to if I'm hitting on your question in full responses, it, it just allowed me to start helping people again. So even though that phone call, they went elsewhere, it got the juices flowing of like, boy, four years, I really haven't had a conversation like that. And I miss those conversations, and I miss being able to guide people and to help them. And so every day, no matter what I'm doing, I'm in the path or a process to helping somebody move a quarter of an inch in knowledge or education in this whole world, because it's as confusing as heck for mm -hmm. a lot of people. And we're not getting it in the schools. And just to mention the, the podcast, my podcast, which you, you'll talk about at the end, it's all about financial literacy. I created this as a legacy. I'll be 60 years old in a couple of weeks. This is a legacy. If I got hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid, or I'm gone, that I've taken my abilities to educate people. There's no products. There's no commercials. We're not telling people what to do. We're giving them information on so many of these topics that we've touched on for increasing their financial literacy. And then if they want help, they either get help from us or somebody else. But you want to know about Medicare? Oh, here's an episode on Medicare. You know, you want to know about special needs trusts? Well, who talks about that? Yeah. 25% of this country's families, one out of four, have a special needs family member, child or adult. What do you do? What do you, how do you plan? So Ask the Plan Man is all about planning and proactivity. And this is another area that people need to plan and be proactive on. What are you going to do if you have a two-year-old child now that has a, a disability and you and your spouse are gone? Who's taking care of the child and all their needs and the financial as well as the physical responsibility. Anyway, I digress. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good stuff. You know, part of the reason I asked you that question too was when I sold my CPA practice, this was many years ago, 
Now you had it taken from you, which I could only imagine was times 10 what I felt. After I sold, there was a period of a little bit of letdown. I went, I went into, I ended up running another company, but it wasn't in an advisory capacity. It wasn't in a, in a capacity where I was working with clients. And I had an emptiness for a while. Like I really sure. missed the interaction of being able to help people. I really missed the interaction of, I didn't care if someone hired me or not. I, that really wasn't it. It was really about getting good information and them allowing to make good decisions. And if I was the person that could help them do that, it made me feel great. But like you said, even if it was moving them forward an inch, half inch, that made me feel good too, even if it wasn't with me. So 100% agree with you, but I could tell you one of my processes, and you may laugh, like I love driving Uber. Really? I loved it because it was, was, you know what I was getting every day? I was getting social interaction. We're social creatures. You know, one of the lines I say when clients want to talk about retirement planning, I say, Tyler, what are you retiring to? What are you going to do with yourself? Because there's a monetary side and then there's the emotional side. And if you don't know what to do with yourself, you're going to go crazy pretty quickly. And then you're going to wind up taking a job and you're going to regret leaving. So I liked, I loved Ubering because every hour somebody else knew is getting in the car. Now, some will engage you and some won't, and that's okay. But by the way, I drove a Jaguar. When oh, I was my gosh. Because <laughs> we still had the Jaguar. So I was Uber, whatever they call it, luxury as well. People are like, is this a Jaguar? Like, what kind of Uber driver drives a Jaguar, right? It was blowing people's minds. But, I mean, you can get the big caddies and you can get the Mercedes. I mean, people do use the luxury cars. But so that, that in and of itself started the conversation. So it gave me some bridging, I guess, in the sense of the socialization again. Uh, look, it's a grind. I'm not telling everybody to go out and drive right. Uber and I'm not telling you, and I'm not telling you not to drive Uber. But for me, there was a social interaction that helped a little bit of some of that damage control, you know, and the feelings of the emotions. And then, you know, frankly, I just had to pull up my pants and get back to work. Like, you know, you go from making thirty, forty thousand dollars a month to zero. Uh, you know, you, you get now I got rid of the liabilities with it, of course, but you know, you, you still got to go start making money again. And so I just got to work and tried to figure out what to do. And, and, and so that at least gave me some immediate revenue stream and the social side. And then, you know, eventually, you know, how to, how to go big, bigger picture, needed more money than that. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. And so that at least gave me some immediate revenue stream and the social side. And then, you know, eventually, you know, how to, how to go big, bigger picture, needed more money than that. Yeah. So let's, let's shift gears into that. So you're driving an Uber now, you're interacting with people, probably have a lot of time to think too, yeah. which may be good and bad, depending on uh, you probably the day. So how did you get to the, you start to build another practice, which what you're doing now, 
take me through that because starting from zero, you're kind of in that, you know, I'm in my fifties too. We're kind of in that, that weird age where yep. we still have a lot to contribute, but you know, employers might view us as older and, sure. and not as employable. Uh, right. So we're kind of caught in the middle there. What was your plan? Did you ever think, Hey, I may go try to get a job somewhere else. Or was it always, Hey, I'm just going to do my own business. And then how did you do that? So a and a B. So a certainly when things fell apart, I, updated a resume that really never existed. <laughs> you know, I didn't really need one. Right. And the the biggest problem was you talk about somebody in the in the Hollywood sense being typecast. Well, I was typecast because everybody saw 30 years of doing this and the success that I've had and the level. So who's going to ping you on Indeed? Well, it's going to be all the competitors to the firm that I left. Right. And so but I'm not licensed, so I can't come work for you, right? So that that kind of died. And then anything outside of the financial services industry, technology, you know, IT type stuff. Well, again, like you said, in your mid 50s with no experience, seeking a quarter million dollar type salary, <laughs> you know, uh, well, those don't exist, and certainly you're not going to get it being an outsider to the industry, tough enough being an insider, right? So I had to find things that would just pay commission, which is what I've always been. And ultimately, for about a two-year stint, this is where the property and casualty experience came in, is I was offered a position. I can't say it was a job. It was unpaid. It was commission-based only, where I was recruiting agents, mentoring them, which fits my wheelhouse, right? Educate, train, show you how I did things. But they were auto and homeowner agents. So this is where the farmers all state state farm conversation comes in again. And we were recruiting them to move independent and come inside our offering. Okay. Again, not not putting names out. And so my revenue came strictly by recruiting them, building a team and getting an over. And struggled through that, built it up, had success, recruited 18 people in 18 months. And then the owner sold. The owner sold. And guess what? We don't need you anymore because the private equity firm wants the revenue. They don't want to pay me my override. And I had no parachute. It it wasn't anything. So they got my agents. They got me to work for two years for basically for free in hopes of making money once the agents produce. But now they don't need me. So the production stays with them. And the commissions I was supposed to get vanished. And that's where it was kind of like, you know, afangu, you know, like yeah, I get yeah. this. So that was the small window where I tried working for somebody again. And, and it fell once again, getting kicked in the teeth. And so right around that is when COVID kicked in. So the timing couldn't have been any better at, or probably was better because we had that window now where everything's shutting down and you were able to get some unemployment money through it. So, you know, kind of mended the fences a little bit cash flow wise. And that's when I looked at my wife and I'm like, you know what, let's look into. And that's where we kind of said, I can't work for anybody else. I'm not, this is what, 2020, right? So I'm now 57, 56, going on 57. I'm like, nobody's hiring me. And look what just happened. I just wasted two years, barely made any money, got jerked around again. And so I'm like, we got to work for ourselves. What can we do? So I got my wife licensed. So she has her insurance license for life and health. We were able to get new relationships. We called appointments. So you have to get appointed with the carriers. And so we were just really got going in that regard. We added health insurance. We added Medicare. We were already doing life and annuities and the other stuff. And really, we just 
we hit our first health insurance enrollment season, which is a short window, uh, November, December, usually. And then COVID was, you know, running rampant. So that we had opportunities and it just got back into networking, social networking, social media. Everything was on Zoom. So you could be in 50 different places a week via Zoom. You and I could be on, uh, you know, some kind of networking group because you're in California, I'm in Florida, and we're doing business just like this. And so I got in a bunch of those groups and it's just getting known and being trusted, right? Trusted, you know, no like and trust. And so you start to get known, people start to like you, they want to trust you, you have 37 years experience, you, you talk the talk, you know, you walk the walk. And then reputation management, because all, I have virtually no former clients in 35 years or so history, one, literally one, that it's an older couple that they left the financial advisor and I was able to handle the few things. He's 87. Like, you know, it's, they don't need to be in the stock market. So there's things I could do for them that they just are happy with. So, but they have me back. And I, I, that's all they wanted was to know I'm looking out for them, right? Till they punch their ticket. Uh, they know I'm always going to be here. So aside from that one client, everything was back, brand new, fresh relationships. And I'll put a, a stamp on it. I don't cold call. I don't buy leads. We get probably five to seven opportunities a week coming to us through strategic partners, referral partners, social media. So everything we've done in two and a half years has been through my octopus style, right? A lot of tentacles out there or the TP hut, you know, a lot of stakes in the ground. So you have to do a lot of activities. And so all those different activities have just created for us a consistent flow of business in all the aspects of insurance. Because if I'm a unicorn, because the Allstate person's not going to do health or Medicare, maybe life insurance, maybe. They're going to be auto and home. I can do both. The Medicare person doesn't know anything about homeowners or commercial insurance or group benefits, right? So because of my experience, because of the educational process that I bring and the relationships that I've cultivated, I just continually get opportunities for, for something. And I don't... and. I also don't have my nose up in the air. Like I'll put you on what's called Obamacare, right? Affordable Care Act, the marketplace and California is a whole other animal. But, you know, each state has different rules, requirements and platforms. This stuff, frankly, might pay $12, $15, $25 a month. It's a lot of work to make $12. I don't turn anybody away. You need my help, I'll get you on. You got a timeline, they're all time sensitive. The end of the month just passed. We're signing people up on the 29th and the 30th because the first they need to be covered and we'll drop everything we need to do. And yeah, I'll make $15, $25. That's okay. Because it's my relationship and it's my reputation. So, and and if it came from you as a referral, without a doubt, they're going to get the white glove treatment because I want Tyler to keep sending me opportunities. You probably have then what I see happen in the insurance industry a lot, especially if it's like cold relationships. People will, you know, they want a quote, they want a price. And then there's the whole game of filling out applications or whatever. And as an insurance agent, you spend a lot of time working with them only to find out maybe they go dark on you or go somewhere else. Do you get less of that kind of, because they're coming by referral, a little bit less of kind of spinning your wheels and spending a lot of time and then people go in a different direction? Without a doubt, a hundred percent. Yes. Without a doubt. You you got your tire kickers and your plate lickers in any business, right? So when you're generating leads, cold calling leads, you're playing that crapshoot game. There's no trust. There's no credibility. If you're telling me to call your brother-in-law 
because your brother-in-law was looking for something, I've got instant credibility, especially if it's a client that's done business with us or a strategic partner. And I see a strategic partner, like I just zelled over, we just got paid a commission. We've got a property and casualty partner in Arizona. He doesn't want to get involved in health insurance. He's got clients constantly asking him. He refers us in. We sign him up. If the business closes, I pay him a portion of the commission. So he just added me to his staff without hiring me, vetting me, training me, babysitting me. He doesn't have to buy me lead. Like all he has to do is say, Bruce, call Tyler, right? And he tees it up and he'll get paid. And so when I say strategic partner, strategic partner is different to me than a referral partner. So I have agents out there that don't do everything we do. And we use those, that leverage. And so it's not that every one of them is perfect either. I don't know how much they vetted or who the person is. So it's never a hundred percent close ratio, but in essence, it's going to be way, it's sufficient a barrel mentality, right? It's very much easier to catch that fish being referred in by a positive existing relationship than a stranger. Right now, auto and home, home especially as we start at the beginning of the show, is a whole other animal because clients, I'll get five calls a week looking for homeowners quotes, and they've gotten the same quotes from three other people. Like, and I try and tell them, like, well, who else are you talking to? Like, because you're wasting my people's time because you're not really going to buy. You're just you're trying to verify that what you're getting is really what it is, and you're making me and my people do extra work for no reason. So that side little bit different than like say the health Medicare life side. But you know, when you get that card in the mail six months before your 65th birthday, and then a, a pile, foot high pile of paperwork from Medicare, uh, people crap their pants. Like, what is all this? Like it's just overwhelmed. It's paralysis by analysis. Yeah, right. So yeah. hey, and and if I may, let's be very clear for your listener, it doesn't cost you anything more to work with an agent. Don't do Medicare on your own. Don't do the marketplace health insurance on your own. It doesn't cost you anything. If you speak to somebody at healthcare.gov, they're just an order taker. They're not an advisor. They're not going to explain how things work and what you should be looking at and how to go find the right plans. They're going to just take your order. You get me, you get my wife, Robin. We're going to walk you through. We're going to check your doctors, your medications, different plans. We're going to tell you how it works. They're going to pay us at the end of the day. I don't control the price. I don't control the rate. I can't give you a discount, right? You come in my store and I'm selling packs of gum and it's, you know, two for one BOGO today. You know, insurance doesn't work that way. We don't set the rates. Yeah. So just a little teaser here because we're kind of coming up on time. I've got one more question after this one. Can you give me, I run a business, let's say, as hypothetical. I run a business that's $1 to $10 million a year in revenue at a point where my business is cash flowing. Got a little bit of assets, like you mentioned, to home. It's probably one of my big, bigger assets. Obviously, my business is a bigger asset. What are things that I should be thinking about in terms of asset protection and just insurance? And just think, can you maybe just give a few minute answer? Just things that we should be aware of. Sure. Again, my there's always the joke in there. Uh, you know what do old people smell like? Depends. So <laughs> my answer is always depends. And Fair. so not to give it end around answer. I want to give you answers, but it it certainly depends on what particular things we're talking about and and that term asset protection. So 
depending on a $1 million business versus a $10 million business can have different problems, different challenges, and different needs, certainly. So, But I understand the question. So in the world of insurance, from a small business owner to mid-sized business owner, there, there's different things they're going to encounter. Now, again, I'm saying this because California is different than Florida. So sure. California, the whole 1099 universe has been taken away on some levels, I understand. Providing health insurance is, is mandated. Okay. That's not the case in Florida. Yeah. Okay. So where we try and get people to understand is business owners are struggling to retain talent. They're struggling to obtain talent because they're not offering benefits. And so, but that doesn't resonate in California as much because it is requirement here. It's not. So when we had COVID and the great resignation and everybody living in their RVs and traveling around and working remotely, well, people were losing staff and they were losing or challenged to get people. And so they cheap out and they don't want to offer $200 a month benefit package. Well, now you got to start offering it. So so that's that's the one tier, right? Regarding asset protection, again, you, you could be talking from just liability standpoint. You could be talking about estate planning and trust work. You could be doing things with using life insurance and life insurance trusts. But some some buzzwords that the business owners are going to be encountering is key person, key man, key woman, key person. So key man disability. If you're my top salesperson making five hundred a year, five hundred thousand a year, and you're doing twenty million dollars in sales for me, and you get disabled, what am I going to do? I got to pay you, and I got to go find a new salesperson. That's key man disability, key person disability. Conversely, you might have a business partner. You might need key man life insurance. You and I are partners. You don't know my wife. You don't want to be partners with my wife. I die. You're now partners with my wife. She's inherited my shares in our company. You need a life insurance policy to pay to give you liquidity to buy my shares back so you can retain 100% ownership of the company. So if the business doesn't have $2 million sitting around, how are you going to write a check? So that's key man life insurance, where you buy reciprocal life insurance on your business partner. You can create tax-free income streams using life insurance. A lot of people know about 401ks, putting money in to a qualified retirement plan. But then there's leverage ways using higher income earners to use life insurance to create private pensions and give tax-free income later as well. So, you know, I can dangle a lot of different nuggets out there. There's a lot of different things. But again, it just depends on the particular situation. Makes a lot of sense. So those were some little nuggets. I appreciate that. I always love to end the show with uh, my last question. It's, it's around either a business or a life experience you've had that you can share with us that perhaps we can apply. Is there anything that sticks off at the top of your head? So I was thinking about that when you told me what it might be at the end. So when I started at 23 years of age as a young stockbroker, a couple of guys took me under the wing. And the simple message was, if you don't watch your money, nobody else will. And what he meant was, we're all paid by commission. You might be an employee of the brokerage firm, but Mike, they didn't pay me anything. I had to do business, generate a commission, get my percentage. So we were W-2, but we still were self-employed as far as I was concerned, right? So every day you would write down your, you would have your trade tickets. Tyler bought hundred shares of stock, $95 commission. Well, the next morning you want to check your trade blotter to make sure Tyler's commission of $95 showed up. Well, like anything else, sometimes it didn't. Then when the monthly commission statement came out, was Tyler's business still on, right? Did I get paid? And so they told me very early on, remember, this is really before a lot of automation and computer technology like it is today. Uh, it was very manual. 
And they're like, if you don't monitor and track your commissions and your money, nobody else will. And so for any business owner, million, 10 million, starting out, whatever it is, when we started our business two and a half years ago, the first thing I did was get a software to be able to track our commissions, all automated. And I said to my wife, Robin, I'm like, look, I'm at capacity. You need to learn this one. I'm doing this, 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 and this. I said, I need you to learn it. She goes, why would I have any clients? I'm like, because you will master it. You'll get onboarded. You'll get it set up. You'll understand it. When the business starts to actually come in, you'll be able to just drop it in. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of clients and referral partners and strategic partners. We have to pay them their percentages. And so she's mastered it. And like I said, we have probably 400 clients in there or so, give or take. And, you know, but without earning a dollar, that was a $2,000 a year commitment to get a software. So I always know where my money is. And guess what? Month after month after month, if you think insurance companies play the delay game of denying your coverage for your claim, whether it's your car accident, your homeowner leak, your health insurance, oh, you went to the, you went to the ER and they're declining the claim. Oh, I wasn't covered and you got to fight with them. And yes, you were, And right? It's a game. I, I Look, I'm on the inside. It's a game. Well, they know so many people will just pay the bill and not fight it. And then they're hoping a certain percentage go away, right? So squeaky door gets the oil. Well, it's no different on the commission side from the insurance companies, Tyler. If you know how many agents I know don't track their business. Oh, I bet a lot. We got thousands and thousands of dollars missing quarter after quarter after quarter that Robin has to go after and find. And Hound for 60, 90, 180 days sometimes. Oh, there's a thousand dollars we just got. Took her six months to get it. But I'm not, but how do I know? Because it's not showing Tyler's commission posted as we track it. So now it's circled. Well, we didn't get paid on Tyler's business. Now we got to go back to the insurance company. So that's the lesson. Regardless of your industry, regardless of your, your technology, inabilities, capabilities, whatever, always know where your money's going. Always track where it's coming in, who it came from. Obviously, thank them along the way You know when you're getting it from other people. And then obviously your expenses go with that as well. Yeah, that's a huge one. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, so I'll put these in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Your website is planman.tv. Once again, planman.tv. If people wanted to reach out to you, is there anywhere else you'd like them to go or anything else you'd like them to do? Sure. So planman.tv is to go to our YouTube channel for our podcast, Ask the Plan Man. From the insurance side, weinsteinwealth.com will get you to our insurance website. So you can see, again, a lot of information, education, but a lot of stuff about the different types of insurances, frequently asked questions, things of that nature. And then ask the plan man or planman.tv. That's podcast shows and and correlations there for watching our our shows or episodes. And then our phone numbers, uh, we have two toll-free numbers, 844-PLANMAN, 844-4-WE-COVER. It's triple four. So just, they'll both ring to my cell phone. So just call ask 844-PLAN-MAN or just go to asktheplanman.com. You'll find me. Anything, ask the plan, man. Awesome. And is it okay if I put the 321-421-5213 number in the show notes? Sure. Let me let me tell you about this. That's a texting number. Okay. You 321-421-5213 is a phone number that you would text the word plan, man. That's my keyword. No space in plan, man. And it will deliver my digital business card right to them that they can save all my information to the contact. So thank you. Yes. It, unfortunately, the FCC changed it. It used to be 2100, 21,000. So it was short code. 
So you can give that out to somebody. Again, business owners meeting, right? You're networking. You don't have, I don't carry cards, right? But if you text that number, here's, you have my contact info saved right to your phone instantaneously. So it was a great tool, but then they changed the phone number. It's a little, a little hairy. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's cool though. I like that. Well, hey, Bruce, thanks so much for your time. A lot of knowledge. I loved hearing your story and you being so candid and transparent sharing it. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You too. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.